So I had the privilege of celebrating a wedding yesterday. The couple I'd known when they were college kids several years ago. Incidentally, the wedding was downtown, kind of near the lake, and so they may or may not have thought about the air show in advance, but we were serenaded by F-16s. Maybe there were some pilots in the family. But joyful times, right? And the vows, as they're standing there at the altar, take you to be my husband, to be my wife, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love you and honor you all the days of my life. All of the sacraments have consensual moments, if you like. The baptismal font, say to the parents, is it your wish that John or Jane be baptized in the church? Priests about to be ordained, do you fully take on what you were being asked to take on? So on and so forth. All the sacraments have some sort of moment like that, even anointing. And I've never once in my years of priesthood heard someone say no to those questions. It's consent which is happily given. But I couldn't help but wonder yesterday, as frankly I wonder at the baptismal font, as I even wonder at the ordinations I attend, Will it stick? Will the consent stick? Will it take deep roots? Whatever that might look like. Even if seemingly everything goes on just absolutely wonderfully, will that consent really stick? And I'm asking that question because we see a beautiful juxtaposition in our readings today of what this consent can look like at times. That first reading from Joshua, right? They've just gone over the Jordan. They're in the promised land. They worked so hard to get there, 40 years. Joshua's saying, all right, here we are. This is my God. He's my guy. I'm going to be with him forever. So what are you going to do, Israelites? It's like asking, do you wish that this child will be baptized? None of them at that moment are going to say, ah, been 40 years, but I've got other plans. Yes, they say with great conviction. This is our God. We are his people. And of course, as we know from the subsequent history in the Bible, they have their moments, right? It's not all one way or all the other. Life is complicated and it's often messy. And so are our spiritual journeys. But it certainly isn't the case that as they live out their relationship with the Lord, it always looks like that moment of diehard conviction when they're there on the bank of the Jordan River. And that's why I love that the church pairs up that reading with our gospel. We've been marching through the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, and today we sort of come to a climactic moment, right? Because Jesus has been laying out some really strange things, and it all comes to a head. And they don't know they're in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. They don't know that this is maybe a later reflection on the Eucharist. And Jesus saying, are you going to eat my flesh? Are you going to drink my blood? That's the moment of conviction. Good times, bad, better, worse. Want to be baptized? Willing to take on your promises? And a fair number of them say no. No, I don't know what you're asking of me, Jesus. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think I can go forward with this. It would have been very easy maybe for John just to brush that one under the historical rug. 
and we never hear about those folks, but he doesn't. And he tells us a lot of people got up that day and walked away. Maybe they came back, we don't know what happened. But at that moment, at that moment, they said, no, this isn't for me. What does it mean to give consent and have it stick? And none of us have a crystal ball. And that's a very complicated question. So the last thing I want to do is pretend that when we make these sacramental yeses, it's just going to be a cakewalk moving forward. And there are all sorts of reasons why our life takes different journeys. But nevertheless, it doesn't have to be at a sacramental moment to ask ourselves the question, will my faith stick? And so it's that second reading, I think, that holds the key. Paul's great letter to the Ephesians. And yes, there's some challenging moments there. To St. Joe's credit, they don't just give you the short version. Everyone here is an adult. We can give the backstory on that. But this idea of a family metaphor for faith, and he's saying, if you really love Christ, then you have to love one another the way that Christ loved us. That sense of loving each other with a spousal love. And in Jesus' language, what that means is somehow self-sacrificial. And if we want our faith to stick, there are going to be moments when it's incredibly difficult and it's incredibly painful. And again, I'm not just talking about one sacrament. I'm talking about a lifetime of faith. There are lots of reasons at times why marriages don't last. There are lots of reasons why baptized people may leave the church. But I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about that ascent to faith that every one of us will make when we come up and either ask for a blessing or receive the Eucharist. And the more we see our church as family, the more that consent sticks. But I'm not just talking about a social gathering, though that's a wonderful thing, and that's the foundation. Church is family with all the messiness and all the rawness and all the brutal honesty that a family has to take on sooner or later if it's going to stay together. I have a good friend, actually works for the church pretty high up, much bigger salary than I have, pretty advanced in the church, makes decisions that affect the whole archdiocese. She once confided in me and said, and I have permission to share this, I asked, she said, there was a time when a really close friend of mine took his own life and I was shattered. I was absolutely devastated. And I was so supported by the people in my life. My family certainly was there. Friends came, friends came from who I work with now, friends from she'd worked in a prior job, career. They called me up, they came. And she said, and at one point I reflected, there wasn't one person in my parish whoever contacted me. And I want to be very clear, she didn't say that with bitterness. Oh, my parish let me down. It was just this light bulb turn on moment of realizing she didn't have that level of connection with anyone in her parish where she had belonged for over a decade. And she was a Eucharistic minister and she went with her family all the time. It's not like this is someone just lurking in the shadows. But I'll say as a priest, and I'll say as someone who works with seminarians, a lot of times we don't do such a good job as the Catholic Church in forging those kinds of relationships. But it's those kinds of relationships that allow our faith to stick. 
And I think sometimes I contribute to that. Other priests contribute to that. Sometimes we make a Catholic parish like a spectator sport. You know, and well, is there a teen club here? I don't know, they haven't formed a teen club. Well, every teen goes to a high school somewhere and that's where their community is, but they live in a parish. Teens don't wait for someone to form the teen club, be the teen club. You'll probably think of much cooler things to do than some midlifer can tell you. If you're empty nesters, do you know the other empty nesters? You can talk about your kids, where they went to college, who has the nicer room in your basement where they're living now? No. Are you a senior? Amazing, wonderful stories to share as you've lived in the church, in your faith. Married that couple yesterday. Will all the couples who got married in that parish over the last five years ever know each other's names? Will they ever know the journey that they're walking together? And how about those in the parish who've been married for a while? And even those maybe whose marriages have ended, will they know those couples? Will they share wisdom with them? Because there's a lot of wisdom to be shared. And if that sounds like that's just crazy, I mean, that doesn't happen in a parish, then shame on us. And I think if Paul were here, you know, he had these little churches, little church in Ephesus, little church in Corinth. If he ever saw the giant things that parishes have become, I think initially his heart would overflow and he'd say, wow, this is the family that I've been talking about. And maybe once he waded into our midst, he might not be so impressed, but he'd encourage us. And that's what he's doing today. So just an invitation as we now kind of get back into the swing of things, going back to school, maybe jobs are ramping up a little bit more, whatever. Summer marriages now moving, summer weddings now moving into lifetime marriages. Baptized children growing up in the faith. An invitation simply to say, what will it take for my consent, my faith to stick? If our readings today tell us anything, they tell us that you can't be Catholic alone.